When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, I talk with vocalist Michael Olivieri from the MOB band and formerly of Leatherwolf. We talk about his new album, Love is Contagious, and we revisit all those classic Leatherwolf albums. Check it out. Michael, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing tonight, man? Mike, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. So, you've got a brand new album coming out. And for some of the leather, old Leatherwolf fans out there who have never heard it, how would you describe it? Why don't you tell everybody about it? Uh, it's it's uh, it's a soulful record. It's it's not it's not heavy metal. It's it's, it's rock, and it's 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 kind of a throwback to some seventies records of the influences I grew up on with Pink Floyd, Eagles, Beatles. Um, uh, Trower, you know, things like that. Uh, it's a, uh, it's it, it, all the songs. I wrote all the songs in there. It's kind of just a, a, a batch of songs that uh, hit home to me. And I have a great band that helped me put this all together. Uh, Buzzy James did all the slide guitar and all the most of the solos on there, if not all. And um, Tom Crucier. Juan's brother from Rat is our, my bass player, and then uh, Ty Dennis is our drummer. Uh, he plays for Robbie Krieger and the other people. And a couple girls sing, Trish, Burke, Manzer, and Don Saylor, two girls that sing back up with me. There. So we just we have a real vocal kind of a blend with the two girls and me. It's a real soulful, kind of a throwback to Joe Cocker, maybe a little bit, I would say. I'm, I'm not sure what, what boat to put it in. Um, but it's a it's a collection of songs that strike really very uh, deep to my soul and roots of music that I'm pretty proud of. So I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Um, what's the name of the album and what's the date of the release? The name of the album is Love Is Contagious. Um, it's it's out. It's in print right now, so I'll be getting copies probably in a couple few weeks. I'll be taking some pre-orders, but uh, basically it'll be available, you know, streaming. I'm on all the streaming and, and uh, you can get uh, CDs and vinyl off my website or at the shows. So you sent me a couple tracks to listen to, and I got to be honest, man, I, I really enjoyed them. I was blown away. Uh, kind of caught them on. I caught on to them pretty quickly. You know, a lot of times you'll hear a song and, and you just it doesn't connect with you. But I got to say, these are, are pretty straightforward songs, uh, very well written, and I also think that. A well-written song could work in any any genre of music. You know what I mean? It can be rock. It can be country. These are just well-written songs. And, and I definitely pick up on the, the bluesy rock, the southern rock, um, Walk on Wine. I felt like there were some Beatles overtones in there a little bit, right? Right, yeah, uh-huh. And then... Uh, you know, yeah, influences are, influence are definitely going to show through, yeah. <laughs> and uh, in Four Post Bed, you know, I, I hear some stones uh, on that one. Yeah, it's got it's uh, that one's kind of got a, a bluesy rock and 
um, cool than you know. I, I, it's it's tough to tell you know say some to tell somebody what your music sounds like because you always think oh it doesn't sound like anything else. But you know I'll let other everybody else tell me what they think it sounds like. But um, uh, you, you know it's got some it's got some Stones, Black Crowsy, Joe Cocker kind of vibe in there. You know it's all that kind of whole stew of little bluesy rock. You know. It's just a it's, a, it's a formula that just people love and I love and it's, it'll probably never go away, at least I hope. But I got to say, I mean, overall, it's, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting sound that you really can't put your finger on. Like I said, you're, you're naming a lot of different acts, and, and really does, it all comes together to make a unique sound. And I don't think it's too far from somebody who grew up in the 80s. If you love the 80s rock, I don't think it's that much of a stretch from that either. No, I, I don't, and I think... Um I think people will be surprised and well receptive. Um, the last record I put out, the last Mob record, um, it had a lot of um, country overtones and southern rock. And you know, I didn't even pick up a le- uh, an electric guitar through that whole record. I played mostly acoustic and um, piano, roads to roads, and, um, and more acoustic-based instruments. They had you know KK Martin and Buzzy James playing guitar, so I didn't really need to add to that mix. But I don't think that was received as well as this one will be. Um, this is just a lo- just way more uh, straight up uh, uh, rock which for people. It's, it's more of a universal sound, I guess you would say. Yeah. Than so niche, like niche based as my my last one. Although that did good and it uh, it was well received, and a lot of people tell me it's their favorite record. That's always good to hear. But. Uh, you know, I'm really excited about this this new one, and I can't wait for people to hear it and just uh, see what people have to say, either positive or negative. Um, I'm always I'm always listening to uh, other people's music and just trying to stay inspired and keep writing. I got a whole another batch of tunes ready to go. My band can't can't even keep up with me. <laughs> So before we started recording, you mentioned that you are also working on like a metal project. Want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, uh, myself, Cole Jones, Luke Mann, and Pat Guyton, who did the last Leatherwolf European tour. Um, all four of us are no longer a part of the Leatherwolf uh, organization, uh, but we 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 continue to write. We have. Uh, a good selection of songs. We're working on a, a concept record, and um, it's a pretty deep story. A lot of parts, a lot of changes. Um, these kids uh, are crazy good guitar players. And when I say kids, they're like 23, 20, 22, um, but they're just uh, incredible guitar players, incredible musicians. Um, more than that, just great people. And you know that's the most important thing to you know to work with. And, uh, for me, just to go start another metal band outside of Leatherwolf, um, it would have to be just a situation that just felt great with great people and a good chemistry. And I found that in these guys. So we're we've been writing and uh, working out working out the songs. And we actually just did a show. It was on my birthday actually on January fourth. We did a, uh, there's a club out here called Jezebel's, and they, uh, it's been closed for a number of years, but back in the day, all the, all the bands played there from, you know, Metallica, Megadeth, and name it, everybody played Jezebel's. But they do a reunion party every year, and 
we did a, a show uh, under the uh, the moniker Triple Axe Attack, and we played a like a set of Leatherwolf tunes, nine, ten, eleven songs. But that was great to play those songs again, and um, so we have this you know chemistry in the band built already around you know what we did in Leatherwolf, and pretty excited about these new new songs we're writing that we haven't. We haven't really come up with a name yet, so it's in its organic stages, in the beginning stages, but um, yeah, looking forward to that, and we're, we're working really hard on that. As a matter of fact, we're getting together tomorrow night to uh, continue on. Well, let's talk a little bit about your past bandmates and Leatherwolf. Um, I know you guys parted ways last year. Uh, they took to Facebook. I'll just read a little clip of it. Um, you know from an earlier Facebook post, we parted ways with vocalist Michael Olivieri for the second time. This move became inevitable due to disagreements over the band's musical direction as well as business and personal issues. So what musical direction were you trying to go in that they didn't want to go in? Um, quite honestly, I don't think that is a, is that port portion of it is not a totally true statement. Um, I wanted to do what we've always wanted, what we've always done. I wanted to be, you know, that band uh, that Love Wolf always has been, and that's if you look at our catalog, you know, we had um, we had the way I feel on Street Ready, and we had, you know, uh, Gypsies and Thieves and Princess Love and Share a Dream and Lonely Road. Not only hardcore metal made up our in ingredients, you know, it was uh, what made us special in my, in my experience is that we can, we, we could take from different styles and influences and that's what created, uh, level of, as far as I'm concerned, you know, with, uh, with songs like cry out and, um, I don't think we are a very predictable band. You know, we were not heavy enough for the thrashers, and I think we were too heavy for the uh, the glam crowd. So we fit somewhere in between. Um, but I have great memories and still love the guys. I wish them, you know, the best of success with Leatherwolf. I, you know, there's no animosity or hard feelings. It's it's all good. Do you think that? Um... That's what you just kind of touched on was part of the problem while the why the band never really broke huge because it, it was kind of confusing with with like I said you dabbled in a lot of different uh, styles in, in you know in one act. Yeah, and um, you know maybe they strike on the right formula and they'll just you know release a hard and heavy straightforward record like New World Asylum. The last thing that we did was a great record. Uh, I didn't have anything to do with the writing in that record. Um, but, you know, I, uh, as far as the, the reason that I'm not in the band to say it's about that is, is not a totally true statement, although it's, um, there's a small piece of the pie of maybe that's, uh, why, but, mm -hmm. um, I, I don't want to go into details and personal issues of <clears throat> the dynamics of what how the band was going, but um, yeah, I'll just kind of leave it at that. You know, is there only so one original to, member at this I'm point? Not here to, 
Um, from what I understand, uh, Jeff is is back in the band. Okay. Jeff Gear and and uh, Dean, of course. So let's go back to the your your nineteen eighty seven Island uh, self titled album. Does that sound still pretty good to you? Sounds still pretty good to me. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, hindsight now that I've made some records and kind of you know how I want them to sound. It's a little um, over the top, but I think that's what made it eponymous and um, kind, of, it's kind of grandiose. But I think it, it it was it was what it needed to be at the time, you know. Yeah, man. Uh, street I ready. I. Three Ready came along, and I think, um, <clears throat> not dogging Michael Wagner at all, but I think if the, the record would have just been better off left in Kevin Beamish's hands um, to mix it. Uh, I think I think Michael was so burned out on the Skid Row project he just got off of, and then he threw he was throwing our mix in his lap right right after that. So I think he was. I don't think his ears were ready for it just yet. But um, yeah, it is what it is. If you had to... Still proud of those records. Yeah, man. Dude, i, I got to be honest with you. I've uh, When we first talked about doing this interview, I played both of those in my car for about two weeks. And i got to say, every, every single song on both of those is great. They're solid albums. Thank you. Yeah, there was just... We had this pretty, pretty, pretty good original kind of chemistry that we had with me, Jeff, and Carrie in the, in the songwriting. Um, it was a, it was a great combination of I won't say totally different styles, but or, or different backgrounds. But uh, we had a, such a respect for each other to listen to each other's ideas and um, work them out and see if they work. Sometimes they worked, sometimes they didn't. But back in the day, we always had this free uh, kind of a vibe it's like let's try this you know we were very eclectic in some of our, our early songwriting i'm going to listen back to some some of the things we first started writing like holy smokes but um actually our first gig we ever did we opened up for accept at this place called the concert factory in costa mesa i believe this was 82 because we were just a cover band for a couple of years um and i wasn't even the singer we had six people in the band three guitar players and then another singer Jeff Jeff's brother Wendell was actually our first singer and so we you know we played a mixture of Iron Maiden Creed Scorpion Tigers of Pantang you know early British metal kind of stuff basically and uh, and then we got a gig opening for Accept but we had to, I think the clause was we had to play all originals and our singer didn't know any originals so we just did like an original, uh, we just did an instrumental set of, without a singer. <laughs> it was the craziest thing. <laughs> um, and then soon after that, we were looking for singers and auditioning them. And at rehearsals, I would sing just to get us through. And then one day we played a backyard party, which we played a lot of. In Southern California, it was in the early 80s. There was backyard parties everywhere all the time played this backyard party our singer didn't show up and they said hey man you're singing tonight like what I'm not gonna sing <laughs> so I think me and Jeff walked over to the liquor store got me a I think we got a bottle of Lord Calvert or something and I was like I can sing I can do this <laughs> so 
So that was kind of the conception in the beginning of of Leatherwolf. Well, I think you got a killer voice, obviously now and especially back then. Who were your influences coming up as a vocalist? Uh, in rock, um, uh, obviously Rob Halford and um, Paul Diano, you know, Klaus Mine, um, Getty Lee. Uh, if I if I go farther back than that, you know, it's 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 Glenn Fry and Dwayne Allman and and that those kind of voices, um, Billy Preston, Joe Cocker. Um, but in the rock. You know, in the world of that. And then, you know, it progressed into like, and Dio started to blow my mind. And, um, you know, there's a lot of tons of great singers, Graham Bonnet, you know. And to this day, you know, there's still a lot of great singers. Robin McCauley still just an incredible singer. Oh, big time. Uh, yeah. And um, Paul Shortino still can belt. Uh, so there's some guys that they can still bring it, you know. It's pretty cool to watch. Andrew Freeman is one of the best singers, you know, on our on our uh, spectrum of peers. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of great voices out there. I love. It was funny. I uh, was online looking up some stuff. I, obviously, I do a lot of research before we we do an interview. And there was this T-shirt from Island Records, and Vane, the band Vane, was at the bottom. Uh, Leatherwolf was in the middle. And Anthrax was up on top, and I was like, you know I what? Remember that. This makes sense, kind of, right? Because Leatherwolf isn't like Vane, and Leatherwolf isn't like Anthrax per se. There's, they might have a little bit of elements of each, but they're right in the middle of those uh, of those kind of sounds. I mean, you agree with that, kind of? Yeah, I do remember. And I think there was one other band on that. Is another island? I think it was Bad Brains. Yeah, there was somebody right? else. I wasn't was sure there? who it was. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. I forget who it was, but uh, yeah, yeah, we were, uh, you know, we were island little write off. <laughs> so you hey, mean- we're making way too much money, making way too much money with you two and Robert Palmer and Melissa Etheridge. Where are we gonna lose money on? Hey man, there's there's these kids in Southern California that are dying for a record deal. <laughs> Let's get them. <laughs> hey, what if we what if we send them to our studio at Compass Point Studios and. Yeah, that'll cost a bunch of money. Sure. Yeah. You know, which was a great time, by the way. Oh. Going out to Compass Point and recording those records is just incredible, incredible memories. Oh, I can only imagine. And, you know, when you listen to that album, yeah, yeah. there's all kinds of complicated riffs on there. But when you think of The Calling, it's a pretty much a simplistic riff, but but powerful. Yeah. Um, I think that was our attempt to try to do something a little more simple. We were in their studio, and I think Dean Dean came up with the Dean and Kerry came up with the inception of that song, and uh, um, yeah, I think that's where it stemmed from. Like, hey, let's just try to do something a little more simple. I think that's what was we were going for. And I think it uh, it personifies what the album's about. I think it's a good first single to kind of say what this album's all about. That's perfect, yeah. I, I do believe. Now, for some reason, I I thought there was a video for Bad Moon Rising, but apparently there, is, there isn't one, is there? <laughs> we never did a video for Bad Moon Rising, no. 
I don't know where I thought why I thought we that. were about to do we were about to do a video for Cry Out. We were actually booked on the Alice Cooper tour in England, and this was our our itinerary. We were going to play Wembley with Alice Cooper and some other bands, and they were going to film a video for uh, for Cry Out. And at the last minute, we got bumped off. I don't know why. I don't know what the reason was, but um, so that fell through. So we never really did a video, another video off that record. I think it was just the calling was the only video we really did. Who did you guys tour and with? And then hide away. Who'd you guys tour with on that? Uh, um, that on that album, we we did a. We just played some dates around the states and club dates. Um, Island never backed us with the tour. That was pretty much, you know, the biggest um, downfall was that we really didn't have the tour support from a, a record label. Um, so we did a lot of club dates. We just did some shows with White Line and Great White and Queensryche, um, you know, back in those days. And... Uh, I think that year we toured Europe with a band called Zed Yago. They're a German band. And on Street Ready, we toured with, uh, I don't know, I can't remember. <laughs> Did a bunch of shows with, we never like went on a really long tour with one band. We were a lot of times thrown on with as openers for, you know, other bands and did what we could. Well, let's jump to Street Ready. I mean, once again, another killer album. I think every song is great on there. Um, but when you get to the song Street Ready, to me, that really has like the hair metal vibe. Was that like label pressure? Or did you guys want to dabble there? How did that work out? No, I think um, we came up with that because when we wrote that record, we were on the road. I think all those songs were written in our in the band touring around America when we were, we were touring on the Calling record. And, um, you know, before we would write songs in our studio, and those songs were in, in progress for a few years before we did that. Um, so the Street Ready record was kind of written on the streets and driving around in the van. I think that's kind of where it came from. And then, of course, you got another killer opening single, Hideaway. Yeah, uh, I wish that, that first single would have been Thunder, but um, the record company really wanted to do Hideaway, but I think Thunder would have had much more impact. Yeah, I mean, the, like I said, there's so many tracks on there. Take a Chance, Too Much Is Never Enough, Lonely Road. I mean, you could have had a, you could have had three or four singles if, they were, if they'd invest the money, right? Right. You know, you know I thought that was a very strong record. Um, there's a lot of good stuff on there. So what, what happened with the uh, the end of Leather Wolf? You guys, didn't you guys change your name and, and change it up a little bit right before it ended? Or We did change it up. Um, me, Jeff, and Carrie started a new band, Hail Mary. I wouldn't say we changed the name because the direction changed and um, kind of everything changed in 89 and 90. Um you know, hindsight, we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't stick to our guns, you know, and just, hey man, let's just, in hindsight, we should have just taken a six months to a year off and, and done some other things and, uh, 
reevaluate in a little bit. But I think we maybe got impatient or, um, you know, we had some, some issues with personalities in the band and things, things were just getting weird. And you know, it was just a weird time in music for everybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it comes up every interview we do. We always talk about uh, early 90s, you know, tough for, for any band that was associated with the 80s hard rock and metal scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a common common occurrence. We all went through it. So you talked about this album. You know, I was at, I was at, the, at that time I wanted to um <laughs> I wanted to try other things, you know. I was although I'm a, a, a huge metal, you know, a metaler at heart, but I also have you know, uh many other influences in music and I was I was starting to play piano with the, at the time I went to college and I started taking piano classes, getting back into, you know, just music and, you know, bought a banjo and I bought a bunch of different instruments, a saxophone. And I just started to dive into a bunch of different instruments. And Lenny Kravitz came out at that time. And I was super inspired and I'm like, I want to do some more of this. So I kind of started doing my own solo records. Um, and, you know, just kind of didn't have to really compromise too much on songwriting and just doing what I kind of felt like my heart wanted to do. And yeah, I've just been happy with that, you know. That was kind of the journey. Do you think that sometimes metal just gets too restrictive? Um, not if that's where you decide, hey man, this is what we're going to do and this is what our band is. And and then as long as you everybody plays by the rules and wants to stick inside those realms, then no. Um, because there's, you know, uh, some of my favorite metal songs are, um, you know, what is what is metal? I mean, like Before the Dawn by Judas Priest, that's, that's not a metal song, but it's done by a metal band. You know, so if, if you want to step out of those lines, and that's, that's what I like. That's what I thought Leather Wolf was about and, and should be about. Um, but that's a good point because, you know, um, the formula was to stick inside those lines and do not cross outside of this circle and here's what we're going to do. And so for me, yeah, I got kind of a little confining because of obviously you hear where my roots are and what, you know, you've heard the songs that I do and I pull outside of that. So. To do only that, for me, would be as constrictive. If I just said, okay, this is all I can do for the rest of my life, then, yeah, I would, I would feel it. I wouldn't be able to express myself as what I, how I would like to. Yeah, and I don't even think it comes sense. from the band. I mean, it comes from, it seems like, especially in the 80s, it's like label pressure. You know what I mean? You've got to fit in this mold. You've got to look this way. You've got to do this. And I think some of that ultimately destroyed the genre. Yeah, and that, a lot of that was self-imposed, you know, bands. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of that came from the labels, but maybe, you know, the bands, you know, everybody thought we had, you know, you know, if you look, the labels didn't tell you how to cut your hair, but everybody had the same haircut. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, so uh, you can only blame that one on the labels so far, you know. The labels don't tell you, I need you to sound like Motley Crue, just, people who started sounding like Motley Crue. True. Or Dave, you know, so. But then again, you know, labels at the time weren't going to really sign anything unless it fell into this box, so to speak. You know. 
definitely. And then bands, every every once in a while, bands come in and step outside of that box and do something, you know, like Guns N' Roses, and it's like, oh, wait, hey, cool, wait, check this out. Yeah. So everything, it changes up, you know. It's always going to change up. So let's fast now, forward. Goes, I don't know what I don't know what the deal is now. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> so let's fast forward a little bit in time. So you kind of touched on this. That there was an album, um, World Asylum by Leatherwolf, and then it became New World Asylum. So how did that happen? So there was another singer on it, and then you came back in the band, and you just re-recorded the vocals? Is yeah, that well, I, I, left, I left the band. I started doing my, my solo thing. It was like, you know, it was taking a long time for these songs to get, get done, and I was like, oh, yeah, I just really feel like I should just, you know, I had a family, I had a house. I was living about an hour and away, and my, my business was doing really good, and I was making really good money, and I was like, God, this is, be, this is becoming kind of a distraction. Um so I had my own home studio at my house, and uh, so I just really started diving into, into my record, and, and I said, hey, can I just get another guy? So they got another guy. They got Wade Black, and Wade came in, and while Wade was doing the record, I would come down and help out with backup vocals and, you know, do whatever harmonies I could and help Dean out. It was, it was always a bro kind of situation, and then um, uh, Wade left for whatever reasons. And they asked me to go do this European tour that was already booked. And I was like, I feel kind of silly singing on, you know, the record, singing those songs. So I go, how about if we just go re-record the vocals and we'll call it New World Asylum. So that's how that came about. Nice. You know, I've dipped into that one a little bit, but like I think, and I kind of understand what you were talking about earlier, because this just seems like a straight up, straight ahead metal um i don't hear any of the other elements that you added on some of your earlier albums i don't hear like the synth and all that kind of stuff so that just seems like a little bit more straightforward than uh some of your other stuff well you know like i said i, I didn't have anything to do with the writing in there and, and if you're used to this certain kind of soup that mom used to make and you go over mom's house and she goes well, what, what, why why does the soup taste the same it's like oh we are out of salt <laughs> oh, so you take one ingredient out of um, something that you're used to tasting; it's not going to taste the same anymore. You know, so that's why I was saying when they were making that record, I didn't have anything to do with the writing. Although, you know, I was rooting on and coming over Dean's and hanging and listening to the record and see what he's doing. And um, you know, Jeff was Jeff wrote a killer record. Jeff wrote that whole record. You know, he's incredible. So. Um, yeah, I didn't want to, like, when I came in and redid the vocals, I didn't want to re-record any, you know, rewrite any of the tunes or anything, and I just kind of kept it for what it was, and, you know, Wade kicked ass on it, so it was, it was a challenge for me. I had to really step up my, my metal voice <laughs> to do it, so, uh, you know, um, I was up for the challenge, so that, that's how that whole thing came about. And then I've watched some festival shows you guys have done, and I think you've got stuff that's really not that old that's out there on YouTube where you guys are playing together. And, uh, I mean, A, your voice still sounded killer for sure. Um, but I, but maybe you can answer this one. When it comes to these festivals, do you also have to pretty much go straight ahead metal, you know what I mean, to, to fit in with the uh, the other groups that are there? Um, I, 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 yes and no. Um, 
you know, we try to play our, you know, heavier set and the songs that are going to, you know, keep more tension, obviously. And you usually get shorter sets, so you don't want to, you know, play, you know, any. You want to keep the energy up when you get those shorter sets, I think. Um, but as far as, like, you know, I try to, you know, bring my A game vocally whenever I can. Those, those festivals are kind of tough because usually sometimes you're, you're, you know, you're flying overnight, you know, you're not sleeping, you get there in the morning, wait, what time are we on? And so, you know, as a singer, it's all about sleep and stuff. Or you're, you're doing a bunch of shows just to support yourself and you're playing a, a bunch of clubs and you're on the road sleeping in funky hotels, not sleeping. And then, oh, it's festival day. Oh, what do you mean they're going to? They're going to broadcast this, broadcast this live worldwide. So you really, you know, you got to step it up and, and do your best. But, yeah, you want to, just the energy alone of those shows, it just it gets you going anyway. So it's, it's a natural shot in the arm, the adrenaline. So at this point, um, do you think that this is it? You're done with Leather Wolf going forward? I don't you know, I'm ne- I'll never say never. Um, at this point, I mean, they got their own thing going. They got a new singer. They got a new record going on. Wish them the best. That's all cool. Uh, I got my solo record with the Mob, and I got this other project I'm I'm recording with uh, these other guys. So you know, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Definitely. Well, hey, man, I wish you a lot of luck with the new projects that you're working on, and uh, when you're ready to thank you, Mike. Uh, when you're ready to release it to the public, you let me know. I'll, I'll put it out on my Twitter, and uh, we'll promote it. Thank you for having me, Mike. Have a good night. Take care. That was a great interview with Michael. I love all those classic albums. And make sure you check out his new album. Links will be in the description. Rock on!